Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome into Attacking Third, the show on women's football. I'm your host, Jenny Chu, alongside Aaron West, Jordan Angeli, and Darian Jenkins. And right off the bat, I'm yeah. sorry, guys, we have to get it out of the way. Mm-hmm. There is a man in here. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> thank you for, first of all, thank you for allowing me to join. This is fantastic. I feel very honored to be the first man on the show. Um, I, I mean, first of all, I am a, man, uh, I am a, a fan of women's soccer. Yeah. I grew up a fan of women's are. soccer. I can thank my dad for that. I grew up in Chapel Hill where... You know, I, I consider that like the the home, the mecca of women's soccer. I grew up well, we can watching. Get to that later, uh, I mean, <laughs> we're gonna fight about this one. We don't, we don't have to fight. We don't have to fight. <laughs> we can fight off camera later. Um, I grew up like going to Finley Fields and watching UNC train. I grew up watching both men's and women's teams. I, I grew up appreciating and loving women's soccer so much through like the lens of my dad just loving sports and loving UNC yeah. sports. That's and great. then it just grew to like an appreciation and love for just women's soccer in general. And here we are. And when they said yeah. you were going to be on the show, I was like, it didn't even, it was like, yeah, that makes sense. Because you <laughs> do, you speak about what the women's game so much. So we are happy to have you Thank here. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yes. We're up in the Gotham jersey, too. Oh, of we course. Go Bats. You're... Go Bats. <laughs> <laughs> so you see the, cel- the bat celebration? Uh, I, I leave that to Lynn Williams because okay. she right. scores the goals. Okay. <laughs> I'm just here. I'm the, I call myself the first husband of Gotham. I'm just here to support my wife and support the team. <laughs> we love that. We, love we, we do. But I just want to get one little story in. The time I met Aaron West, this has to be... Ten years ago, maybe? A long time ago. Don't, don't date us. We've known each other for a very long <laughs> it's time. Been too long. Because he plays pickup with the women's soccer team there. So yep. I have played against Aaron before I knew Aaron West. How is he? He's really good. <laughs> I can't even lie on him. He's very good. Thank um, you. May I appreciate that. But enough about the man. Let's yeah. talk about the Women's that. World Cup. Okay, the Women's World Cup has been incredibly successful. This is the most attended and on pace to be the most watched women's world cup in history. Jordan, what does that mean to you? Well, first off, when I see the numbers that it's, they've sold, I think, more tickets than they thought they were going to sell, I'm like, we need to talk whoever's doing these predictions because how are they so off? <laughs> Four days into the tournament, they already are outselling what they think they were going to for through the for whole the tournament. tournament. Have you been paying attention to women's soccer? That, that yes, was my, honestly my question. I did not understand that. But it makes sense to me. There's more teams in this tournament. People, there, there's leagues all across the world where people are watching women play football on their TVs, on this network. We're watching that all the time. It makes sense to me. And it's fun to be a small part of that, to be able to chat about that on an extended level. Yeah. Also, the fact that the women, we've just needed the media attention and the platform to show the talent that has always been in this sport. And so finally getting that recognition and then you're seeing teams 
I'm, well, you're seeing some teams invest, and I'm hoping this is going to inspire more federations to really invest in these different leagues and these different teams to keep elevating it, and it's just going to get better and better. Like these yeah. women are unstoppable, and I think it's going to be it's going to take over the world. You know what's been hard though with 32 teams is just keeping the groups straight. <laughs> I don't know if you guys feel that too. Uh, but luckily, a fan sent this into me, and I, I I feel like we need one right here between There's you like and a, I, Aaron. A massive table. <laughs> this, this is from Mia. Camphius, look at this. Is she, this is her Great. art project this summer. She went every group, the the games per group. There's a knockout rounds there on the right side. This is the, beautiful. It's color-coded. <laughs> color yeah. I mean, I, I'm I not kidding when I'm saying if we real. need that. Because I, I, the groups get... Um, there's so many, and I, I get them all a little confused if I don't have them written down right here in front of me. Yes, um, we love that from her. We yeah. want more investment like that, like people that just care about it so mm -hmm. much that they do things like that. But again, I just wanted to get into these numbers because I didn't even mention them. 6.4 million watched the group stage game, um, the USA against Netherlands, which we're about to talk about. Um, and that is the most watched Women's World Cup group stage telecast on U.S. English language television, and they also broke records in Spanish. So that's even more. Wow. I just go in awe of all that has happened in, in our wonderful game. But let's go ahead and talk about that game that we're talking about, the USA against the Netherlands. First take, Aaron. I just thought we, overall, like the, the word that keeps coming to my mind is, is naive. We just looked kind of naive overall. The, the Dutch really controlled that first half. They looked mm -hmm. so, so tactically mature in midfield. The, the way that Jill Roar just kind of directed traffic in midfield, the back three just looked so confident dealing with our front three. Overall, it just we looked over at, overmatched in the first half. I'm really, really, I, I am happy with the response. I'm happy that we were able to secure a point. Uh, I'm happy that there was a turnaround and a, a bit of fight that we saw in the second half. But the, the first half was very worrying, if we're going to be yeah. honest. I, it, looked, it just looked like we were completely overmatched. And the naive is a good word. I hadn't thought of that word, but yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head there, Aaron, because we've talked a lot about Sophie Smith and we've talked about, oh, Sophia Smith, excuse me, and Trinity Rodman and even DeMello getting the start. Mm -hmm. But I also think that this is a game where if you don't play games like this in this type of high stakes environment, it's hard to know how you're going to show up. Right. And I, I think there were moments for all those players where we thought that they looked all right, but there were also moments where their pace of play was too slow, right. that they weren't able to adapt in the middle of the game, yeah. which I think is maybe a bigger issue with this U.S. team is just adapting to different tactics that teams throw at you. And I, I think by the end of the first half, we started to see them do that, help, mm -hmm. a, helping Andy Sullivan a little bit more with Lindsey Horan's yeah. positioning. But it wasn't until halftime came and they could sit and really reorganize. And Julie Ertz said it after the game, hey, we needed halftime to come so yeah. we could we could resettle ourselves. And the second half did look a lot more calm from this group, but yeah. we expect a lot out of them. Yeah, the expectation is high. I felt watching it, we didn't have this, the cohesiveness that the Netherlands had. I felt they were connecting amongst the lines. They were calm in the middle to attacking third, where I didn't think we were. We seemed quite one-dimensional. I don't know how much like our attackers all connected together. And that's where we're most dangerous. That's where our biggest threats are. So I'm hoping, you know, you learn the most from your ties and your losses. So I know that yeah. the U.S. is going to come out this next game and everything's going to be thrown on the table. But I agree. I think it would have been nice to see more problem solving through the match. And there was nobody really, like, taking that on and just 
fixing it while the game was still happening and they needed halftime. I also want to say I, I know we are all American and we have to like kind of focus on the American side of things, but I, we have to give credit to the Dutch. Yeah, their yeah, their tactical yeah, game really plan was impeccable. They talked a lot before the match and mm -hmm. they came out and, and really backed yeah, it up. They, they, they proved that they, they are a team that is to be reckoned with. That midfield three, the midfield five, whatever you want to mm -hmm. call it, where all three of them complement each other so well. Mm -hmm. I really did like the picture of Danielle Vandendonk and, and Lindsay Horan. <laughs> yeah. She's got like the swing <laughs> cap swim on. Cap That's home. what the game is about. It's yeah. like you... You kick the crap out of each other it's and you pick each other up after the match. And I think both of these teams needed a test. Yeah. They needed to 100%. say, how are we going to play against the best of the best in this tournament? Yeah. And the next time they play a really good team in this tournament, hopefully for both of them, it's in the knockout rounds. Yeah. I think they're going to be able to be more adaptable. They're going to have more answers to questions that both teams threw at each other. And that's the, the most fun part, I think, of the World Cup in general, is you get to see how teams get better game after game. Yeah. And I do think both of these teams can't even get better than what we saw in that match. Yeah. Well, the biggest thing is that there is another group stage match. Yes. Um, the USA is going to be facing Portugal. And I think the biggest thing that has come up is that only one substitute was used. There has not been a lot of rotation within the U.S. squad. The same lineups for both matches started. Um, with this lack of testing your depth and getting resting time, what are we looking at in this Portugal match? What kind of lineup are you expecting? Darian. I hope he switches it up and we see some, I want to see Lynn Williams. Where is Lynn Williams? I want to see her in the match. She's such a threat. Um, I hope Ashley Sanchez gets some minutes because I think she's such a creative 10. But, and then I'm, I'm hoping Ertz is in that six. Like I said last time, I hope he switches it. It'll be interesting because if this is your best 11, I would imagine you start with this because you're saying, hey, go score, go, go score goals against Portugal. And can they get to halftime with a couple of goals? And then I, I think we might see switches. But from what I've seen of Vlaco in these first two games, this seems to be what he's rolling with is this best 11. That's what he feels. Okay, well, then go score. How feasible I that is, is that? How feasible is that in a World Cup like this? We, we just, you know, how feasible is that? To play, I think these, the these players this, are. Basically. I think these players are really fit. I think that there probably will be more substitutions in this third game than we saw before, and whether that's changes from the beginning or substitutions for the second 45. But it seems to me like the U.S. in the comments after the match, they're saying we have to get business done. So. Are there players on the bench who can take care of business? Yeah, I think so. But I'm not saying I, – I, th I don't think Vlaco has shown us that he is willing to make those changes. Yeah. Uh, I think probably the, the biggest thing depends on Roosevelt's fitness. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't know from the outside. I don't, I don't yeah. want to speculate too much, but it seems like he's kind of walking her through yeah. these matches. He, he wants to kind of wrap her in cotton wool. Yeah. He didn't start her because he wasn't sure she could last 90. Now we'll – We'll see probably where her fitness is because we need her. Yeah. <laughs> and, and probably we need changes. her from the start. So if she starts in this Portugal match, I think she's probably fully fit. If she doesn't, then I think there's a little bit of a worry. It's like how, do, how much do we yeah. have to walk her through each match in this mm -hmm. tournament? Because we saw in the second half of that, the match against the Dutch, we need Rose Lavelle in the midfield. So uh, she's That's a big worry That's the one change I do. I do yeah. think that is the one change. I can she go say, 45 or 60 is the question. Yeah. We're yeah. saying that these players, you know, can do it uh, – this morning on Morning Footy, Jordan, we talked about how many injuries the women have been having and the fact that there are too many games on them. So I feel like the depth aspect was very important to, to come into play. But enough about this one. You know, we're going to have to watch the USA against Portugal, see what lineup Vlatko 
plays and then see whether he makes more substitutions in that match. That is Tuesday night on Fox at 3 a.m. Eastern time. Jill Ellis will be joining us on the show next to talk the Women's World Cup. You're going to want to stay with us. Welcome back into Attacking Third. Right now we're welcoming in our guest, former U.S. Women's National Team coach and current president of San Diego Wave, Jill Ellis. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Glad to be here. Okay, we have to get right into it because last World Cup, which you won, you were the coach of the team, <laughs> and now you're living it a bit differently. How are you living this World Cup? Uh, through a very different lens, but uh, <laughs> loving it, still the same. I mean, it's definitely, you know, someone asked me the other day, do you have FOMO? I'm like, yeah, I guess I do a little bit. Um, but listen, it's a spectacular event. It's everything, you know, I imagined it to be. I always say every iteration of, this, of the Women's World Cup just continues to get better. And I think this one hasn't disappointed already with numbers and viewership, uh, the competitiveness of the games. So, uh, yeah, it's different. And I also, I'm learning... You know, when you're in it, you're in this bubble. You don't recognize all of the, all of the hype outside. And now I'm kind of seeing if, I, if I'd have known all the coverage and such, I probably would. <laughs> it's all good. Now, Jill, uh, my wife, Yael Averbush West, actually one of your former players, has made the transition from on the pitch to behind the scenes. A little bit of a different transition for you, but how have you found it? What's been the most difficult part of not actually being able to, to set the tactics yourself? <laughs> Well, I mean, listen, you hire great people. Um, yes, and I obviously know Yael very well, um, competed against her many times. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's more you, you know, you establish a framework. It's very much, I mean, you're a builder, really. When you're building a team or when you're building an organization, you've got to trust people, empower them, uh, support them, and, you know, give people resources to be successful. So it has, you know, at times it's different. It's a different view. It's actually more stressful to be up in the stands than on the, than on the sidelines, yeah. to be fair. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just, you know, I, I think we've got a tremendous head coach and, and front office staff and GM. And so I've been able to just kind of be in a supportive role in, in that regard. Jill, you mentioned the bubble. Everybody talks about the bubble when you're at the World Cup. Now that you're beyond it, you hear chatter now, right? You, you know what people are talking about. And after this game, the U.S. versus Netherlands, there, there were talks about coaching decisions. Now, I'm not going to go specifically to you about those coaching decisions, but I am going to say you've been a coach in these moments and you have gotten to choose squads and starting 11s and substitutes what goes into your mind as a coach when you're sitting there thinking what substitutes can i use should i use what are all the different factors that you have to put into those types of decisions well i think that this the starting point for from myself and my staff was we almost tried to have those decisions made like regardless of a scenario so we would actually every morning of a game we would meet and we would look at um, because here's what happened and, and you can appreciate this right you're, you're you're on a sideline you bring a player over you're about to put him in and you're like watching the game you're like hang on a second hang on a second <laughs> yeah <laughs> the player is kind of in this in this in between so I remember after a game, we met as a staff and we basically said, let's eliminate the emotion from that, right? And mm. let's try and make sure we have as many decisions made before the, before the game starts. So we had, we had a, a layout as if we're behind, what lineup do we want on the pitch? If we're ahead, how do we want to protect and preserve a lead? And you, you kind of have this already down. So I actually had almost like a cheat sheet because when you're in the moment, you want to make sure you're, you're leaning into decisions you made when you're not in that high pressure mm -hmm. situation. So we did a lot of planning ahead of time. And certainly when it comes to, you know, the minutes, knowing this is a seven game tournament, mm -hmm. 
you've got to thought, think about how do I take time off the player's legs? Um, you know, meaning this many minutes as you start to build and go through. Um, so it's a balance. You've got to get out of your group, but you also have to recognize to go the, the whole way. You've got to you've got to be measured in the minutes. So, yeah, I think in that moment you, you have a, a plan about what the game needs. You know, you bring in we, we labeled them game changers a long time ago, but you bring in. And the important thing about the game changers is they're not there just to fill in. They are there to actually come in and impact the game in some capacity, whether it's just to, you know, to score a goal, whether it's to preserve a lead, whatever situation you're in. So in those moments, yeah, you've uh, we, we did a lot of forethought and planning before we got to that point. Were, were the players privy to those types of changes saying, hey, th this could potentially be your role? Is that some of the things that you communicated with them when you were head coach? Yes, I think, you know, one of the things, because you have to understand with the players, I mean, it is a, an incredibly stressful moment to go into a world championship. So one of the things we tried to do was I almost like to try and set a hierarchy at least five months before a major event. So players go in there and they know, hey, I'm either a game changer, I'm coming in, or they know, hey, I'm a starter. Um, but I also think when you do that, you also make sure every player has the same information so that they can really execute the role. The last thing you want is a player that operates in a gray area mm -hmm. where they're, not, they're uncertain about what their role is. When you go into that hierarchy set, Sure, you always plan to absorb injuries, but players, I think the more information they have, the more they can kind of settle into that decision and understand what their role and what's expected of them. Jill, you coached me when I was super young, I think 14, 15, and you have the Jill Ellis Scholarship Foundation, which I've had the benefit of being a part of. This is the first World Cup where there's 32 teams and we're seeing more female coaches that are coming into these high positions. Do you think the Federation's doing enough to promote female coaches up into these positions? Well, listen, I think that was a step. Um, you know, I, I think with the scholarship we wanted to try we also created a mentorship program because it's not just getting women into sports or on the sidelines. It's how do you support them? How do they have a community when you're typically always in the minority? Um, so that was a very passionate part of the programming. I think at every level we, we can do more, meaning in the youth ranks. I mean, I actually think the numbers when you go out on the sidelines of youth tournaments there, it's even more um very uh, obvious that there's hardly any female coaches coaching youth. And in fact, when I was the coach at UCLA, I used to have many players come that I was recruiting say, I've never been coached by a female. Mm -hmm. So I think we need to try and do more, even in the youth landscape, to get um, more coaches involved in that, make it a safe space for them, uh, let them feel supported. And, and Because it's usually a coach to get to the national team has to kind of go through a lot of different levels and get a lot of experiences well you know sometimes if your first level starting in is is coaching as a head coach of a college you haven't really cut your teeth sometimes on some mm -hmm. of the things you have to go through as a coach so i think we can definitely do more jill back to this coaching aspect i want to make sure that i heard you correctly i think you said that five months ahead of time you're making these decisions on who's starting the game and who's potentially a game changer is that correct yeah, because I think, the, you know, so for, for example, you know, with, with we I had a player named Carly Lloyd in 2015. <laughs> oh, yeah, I think I know her. For us, she was, you know, absolutely um, the mainstay of our team. And as we started to get through to 2019, you know, the decision was that, that Carly was going to serve in a, in a game changer role capacity. Well, you don't make that decision two weeks prior because, again, um, you want players to kind of settle into their role. 
now, again, you've got to make sure that if you suddenly have an injury, you've you've even prepared for that. I mean, at the end of the day, going into a World Cup, it is so much of it is player management. It's uh, it, you know, it's it's managing the moment, it's managing the situation, the points. What do you need? It's even managing suspensions if a player you know picks up two yellows and has to sit a game. But I think the more you can get ahead of that and kind of plan for those scenarios, the better. So, you know, if you were to say to our players, hey, um, we're playing down a player, what shape are we going to be in? They'll know it. If you say, hey, we're going to, we're behind, we've got to force a goal, there's 10 minutes left in the game, who do we want where? Yeah, they would they would typically know that because then it's, um, they understand the roles and responsibilities that they're going into. Jill, we, we got to talk about, you, you talked about player management there. Now you're in a different role with San Diego Wave as the president. A lot of management in, in different areas. Talk about this Wave squad, but I want to go specifically into one player because I, it's hard for me not to talk about her, Jaden Shaw. And just do you see this player being a player that can really impact the women's national team at some point in her future? I do. I mean, not to put pressure on Jaden, but 100%. You know, I, I think, um, you know, listen, I think Jaden is a, you know, she's still a very young player, but she's got incredible instincts. Uh, you know, a great first touch. Uh, she's, you know, she's got a savvy and a sophistication. She's got a lot to learn, but I just think overall her her awareness, her first touch, her, um, her understanding, even her versatility. You know, we, we played Jaden central. We played her wide. Um, she's got a shot from distance. She can run at players. I do think she's going to have a very, very bright future. And I would probably say, yeah, before before the next Olympics, I think she'll she'll definitely have a look, would be my, my, uh, my guess. I like it. I like it. Jill, I'm just fascinated by your planning ability and the fact that things are set so ahead of time. I'm thinking, I don't even know what I'm doing this weekend. Um, after this conversation with Jill, I need to plan my calendar out for like the next few months and what she I'm going to accomplish. She says she has mentors, so this you can really just like get in a mentorship yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jill, I'm going to have to give you a call. I'm not, I'm not, that, way, I'm not that way on my, in my, in my personal life. <laughs> oh my God, horrified. But, you know, I just, I think if you were to ask our players in 2019, I mean, almost probably to a point that they were miserable because we we would reinforce so many things. Um, you know, I was fortunate. I, I I was at UCLA when when Coach Wood, and he wasn't coaching at the time. I'm not that old, but he was there. And I always remember, you know, him saying to me, it, it, it's one of his adages is if they haven't, if they haven't learned, you haven't taught. And so I think then it just made me kind of really realize that I have to constantly find ways to make sure players have understanding. And I think a good way, it's like us in our lives, right? If, if we know uh, what's expected of us in our job, what's, what's the roles or responsibilities, we're going to execute it better. So that's just kind of the approach I took. And I think even our players in 2019, they were kind of like, okay, we're ready to start because they felt so prepared. <laughs> After the tournament, they literally said we were the most prepared team there. Yeah. And mm -hmm. that gives you confidence. Mm -hmm. so. Oh, Jill, over-preparation feels so good. I, I love that. I, I, when I'm a parent, if something happens that's wrong, I'm going to say I haven't taught them instead of blame them. <laughs> we'll see if I stand to that because Aaron here is a parent and he's laughing at me right now. But, Jill, thank you so much for joining us. That was fascinating. Thank you so thank much. You, thank you, Jill. My pleasure. Go USA. Woo! Love it. Guys, we'll be talking all this morning's World Cup action and what to look forward to this weekend in that action as well when we come back. You're not going to want to go anywhere. There's Nigeria. Welcome back into Attacking Third. There was plenty of World Cup action this morning, so let's get right into it. We're going to give you a quick recap. Jordan.
Yes, well, it started off actually last night for us. <laughs> it was the first game of the day. It was South Africa against Argentina. South Africa goes up two goals. Tembi Katlana with one of them from Racing Louisville. But how about this? Sheesh. Sophia Braun, the Oregon native. <laughs> now that is what dreams are made of. Okay, they get back into the game, but can they get a point out of it? Oh, yeah, they can. This header, Rodriguez crosses it, and Romina Nunez... Jeez, what a Kick nice little flick Kick there. Sasso. We're gonna jump on over to China, Haiti, a very, very even match. We do move to the 71st minute. Lin Yan Zhang receives a through ball and she is taken down in the box. Ruthren Raturin mistimes the tackle Oof. and it's gonna be a penalty for China. In the 74th minute, we're going to go to a couple replays, uh, a little bit of a shenanigans, and then in the 74th minute, Wang Shuang is going to convert the penalty and give China the 1-0 win. Who also plays for Racing Louisville. Look at that. Shout out. Then we have the Denmark and England game. Here you see Lauren James with such a great finish. Class, such class. Rachel Daly got the assist, and you see how quickly she got the ball off of her foot. This replay, I love all of these angles. It was it, it was coming. It, it, was, it like. was coming, yeah. And she, her coming off of the uh, not starting last game and starting now and just solidifying her position that she's such a threat to come into that <laughs> match. So oh and my god, her brother preaching between this cute photo of them playing soccer together and what a full circle moment for them to have both of them playing at such a high level and representing England on the world stage. He also put a picture up on Instagram of them of her and it said she's arrived. Oh, oh my gosh. Cute. Yeah. The, Imagine the, the, their parents, the they've got oh two ballers. <laughs> yeah, it's what? the dream. So it's the dream. <laughs> their story is so cool, though, because they mm -hmm. used to train together yeah. in their backyard, yeah. and they would do everything together. I mean, having an older brother is quite literally the best thing for a yeah. young soccer player. You can see it in the way they player. play, oh, too. Oh, yeah. They're very similar styles. Very. It's yeah. so cool to see. Let's go ahead and talk about Canada against Australia, because <sighs> Australia, Damn. the biggest thing is Sam Curless. They have been Sam Curless in the first two matches, and we don't know whether she's coming back for this last match. I think it's a game-time decision for them. But what can we expect from this game, whether she plays or not? I think this game is going to be a lot about the midfield. One of the biggest things I've had against Canada is they're not starting Sophie Schmidt, and I think they should be starting her. Every time she comes on the field, she she's changes. Class. Yeah. She's class, and she yeah. changes the game. And I, I'm very confused, especially against this Australia squad, because I feel like they have been dominating the midfield with Cooney Cross and Gory, who has been excellent in this World Cup. A lot of it is going to be who's going to win the first and second balls. And I, I think that Schmidt adds a little bit more depth and grit and tenacity to them. But you said Kerr, and that's the storyline, Aaron. Is, is who, are they, who, who are they going to play with if they don't have Sam Kerr? Is she going to be fit enough to play? Yeah, it, this, this Australia team looks so different without Sam yeah. Kerr. And it's how do you blame them when you have a player of that magnitude who everything basically runs through uh, the, the way that she changes the game, ju not just from her hold-up play, the way she runs in behind. They know that if they get a chance, she's tucking it away. When you have 28 chances in your last match and you, you only score two, they, yeah. you know you're missing probably somebody. <laughs> somebody that, that is Sam Kerr. Uh, and, and Nigeria were, were so much more just ruthless in front of goal. They only yeah. had, I think, 11, 11 shots. But every single time they had a clear-cut opportunity, I think they only missed one, what they call a big chance. Uh, Australia missed a few of them. They, they just don't look confident in front of goal. They don't. They're just kind of 
tossing balls into the box with without a lot of hope and, and I, it changes everything when you have a yeah. player like Sam Kerr. Their manager didn't look super, super confident about it. He's just kind of hemming and hawing like, we may or may not have her. Like, please play it for her. <laughs> no, I totally agree. And I also think something with Australia watching that game, there's lapses of concentration mm. that really let them down. And I felt yeah. Nigeria smelt it and went for the kill. 100%. And if, you know, Canada looking in this game should be keen on that. But I hope Australia pulls it together and just gets stays focused for the full 90 minutes because I think that that's what really let them down in that game. Mm. Groups A, B, and C are going to be completed next time we're on Attacking Third. That's on Monday. Um, let's get a look at Group A real quick. So that's Switzerland, New Zealand, Norway. I know it's hard to keep track. And Philippines. <laughs> <Where's> my... Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> it seems as though Switzerland, with yeah. one, they're, they're through. But predictions really quickly. New Zealand, Norway, or Philippines? Norway. They're last. They're in last place. Uh, Still. I still think, I believe in Anna Hegerberg, always. Ooh, I like that. Is she coming back? Is she coming back? That's what is she. Switzerland is through and the Philippines go through. I love it. I'm the same. Okay. I'm the same. Okay, so no one has any belief in New Zealand, the home country. No. No. Okay. New Zealand. I loved your first win, though. I talked about it a lot. Oh, the Philippines getting through would be such a beautiful story. I mean, the debutante. Oh, I, I want to hear it. I want to see it for that reason exactly. But let's go to a quick break. We have icon of the game, Brianna Scurry, on the other side. You're not going to want to go anywhere. Welcome back to Attacking Third. I am honored to present our guest right now, two-time Olympic gold medalist, World Cup winner with the 99ers, Brianna Scurry. Also, a coworker of ours on CBS Sports. <laughs> Welcome in, Bri. Thank you. Thanks for having me. How is everyone? Fantastic. Wow. Thanks for being here. We're pumped you're here. Yeah, yeah. This is awesome. I mean, she is an icon. We we grew up watching you, and, and goodness gracious, I, there's so much to say about you. But let's get into this World Cup team currently, right now. They're USA against Netherlands match. I have to hear your take on this. Ooh, well, you know, this World Cup has been really intriguing. Um, teams that normally get off to a fast start have not, and then other teams who don't normally start fast have been starting fast. And so the USA-Netherlands game was kind of like that. I mean, USA played Vietnam and didn't look ex ex particularly astonishing, and neither did the Netherlands playing Portugal. And so they, you know, came into the to the game, two heavyweight uh, contenders, and slugging it out. And uh, I have to say... I love Lindsay Horangle. Yes. I mean, yes. She was not playing patty cake, and then she got all angry and decided to even the scoreline, and I love that about her. So that game was fantastic. It was a tie, but we'll take it. Bri, I like that you tapped into that emotion because I think of you saving that penalty and the yes. emotion that you showed yeah. in that moment. <laughs> But you know it's a it's a tournament, right? It's really a marathon within yes. this month for this group. And this is the time of year where you maybe reflect back on it a little bit more of that 99 run that you guys had. Do you think about it every year or was it mostly just World Cup years where all those memories start flooding back? You know, it depends. Um, I went for a long time without really thinking about it a lot. And then whenever the World Cup pops up, it inevitably does pop up. And so... I've been thinking about it a lot, and uh, this year's team, you know, now it's win or go home, basically. They have to beat Portugal, um, at least tie them, but you don't want to limp into the knockout phases um, without a win, and so they're going to have to do really well and then basically just win or die. It's, it's mm -hmm. like that, and I love it. I love the mm -hmm. fact that everything is on the line every game, 
and you just got to focus in and do your job and move on to the next. Can you still feel that emotion of when Brandi Chastain scored the winning penalty and you guys are celebrating? Can you feel that still of what that moment was like? Yeah, I can. I, and I, I talk about it a lot when I do keynote speeches um, at corporations and organizations all the time all over the country. I talk about that moment. I, I tell people, I, I, ba I basically bring them into the goal with me, um, just how focused I was and how I used to not look at the teammate, my teammates shooting because all I wanted to focus on was what I could control, and that was making that one save. And I like to bring people through that all the time. It is still amazing. Every time I see that save, I get fired up. Hmm. Um, and I love that it doesn't change. I love that you brought that up because we often talk about the the kick and the taking off of the shirt, but that win is not possible without you. Right. I just wanted to put that in yes. there. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Johnny. We Good needed that. <laughs> Bri, your you. legacy. I set the table for me, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your legacy has inspired so many, and myself in particular, watching a black woman on the U.S. national team and all of the strides that you've made and all the advocacy work that you've done. How is it now you've paved the way for these young players to see such a diverse women's national team with these players leading the charge in this tournament? Uh, it makes my heart full. Mm -hmm. I mean, it really does. Between um, seeing brown and black girls, um, you know, taking the spotlight, Sophia Smith, Trinity Rodman, uh, Crystal Dunn, who's been doing it for a while mm -hmm. now. And now you have Naomi Gurma in there, who's going to be on that team for a very long time. And you have girls of color uh, in the front line, in the midfield, and in the back. All over and the so place. it's really wonderful for me to see. And then also, you know, players who are out, who are who are gay and who aren't afraid of it. And it's really nice to see that as well. And with, uh, obviously, Megan Rapino leading the way there. But, you know, one of the most uh, rewarding things for me was Megan uh, last year came up to me and said, you know, you're the reason why I can be me. And mm -hmm. um, that actually made me cry because I didn't know that she felt that way. And so that was really cool and very rewarding for me. Now, Brian, you were a massive hero of mine growing up. I my mom and I, my parents and I watched every single game. I think my mom made every single save right along with you. Uh, I was a striker growing up, but I enjoyed playing in goal. And those gloves right over your right shoulder, I insisted that I also get those gloves. So you were a massive hero of mine growing up. You have been a huge advocate for mental health. And we know as a black woman in the game, and even even more pinpointed, a black goalkeeper. Goalkeepers mm -hmm. suffer a lot. They're, they're, there's so much pressure on their shoulders. Talk to me about how you, how you dealt with that when you were coming up as a player and how you now help others deal with it. So one of the things that I've always had uh, a pretty good grasp on um, is my philosophy of how I play. And a lot of that is my mentality. And I got that from my dad. I mean, my dad was a very rational, cerebral thinker. And I got my passion and my heart from my mom. And so I am basically my, my parents' daughter um, in, every, in everything I do. And so my dad always used to say, you know, keep your eye on the ball, keep your focus. Um, you know, you keep control of what you can control and don't worry about everything else. And so that extended throughout my whole life. Um, it's a very nerve-wracking position to play. And most people don't like it. It's not their cup of tea <laughs> because there's so much responsibility and uh, so little glory in it. But mm -hmm. when it when it works and you're, you know, iron, iron cage uh, mindset, 
like I had, and uh, it just it just worked for me. It made sense to me. I guess I was a bit of a closet control freak also, and so in goal was the only position where you can control the destiny of the other team. Mm. So that's part of the reason why I liked it as well. Wow. As a yeah. fellow uh, control freak, I, <laughs> I struggle on team sports because I also need a lot of control. Maybe but you should have been a keeper. Yeah. There's no way I could have been a keeper. Now in pickup or in indoor, they're like, oh, everyone has to turn off. I said, not me. Uh, if the ball comes towards me, I'm moving out of the way. I'm not right. But what on that topic, um, this Women's World Cup has, is the first time that there are concussion spotters. Talk to me about that. I didn't really know about this mm -hmm. until we brought it up with you. Absolutely. I am thrilled that there are concussion spotters. I was, um, I've been an advocate of mental health for a long time. I've been an advocate for the game to change to allow for people to have a an understanding that a head injury is not something that you take lightly, it's not something you play through. And so now that there's concussion spotters, because there's a lot of collisions in the game that may look innocent, that are very devastating. And sometimes a player needs a little bit of help to realize that they really should not continue playing. And so now FIFA has this instilled, and I think it's fantastic. And I want that responsibility taken out of the hands of, of people who may not have the player's best interest in mind. Mm. And as an athlete, you want to continue to play. Yeah. I get it, yeah. but it's just not safe. And why not, you know, live to play another day? Just come out of that one game, get assessed, be safe, be, be, be careful. And then uh, once you're cleared, you get back in there. Mm -hmm. Because the truth is, too, um, you could actually be not only damaging yourself, but you're hurting your, your team by continuing on impaired. And so I think a lot of players are finally realizing that. And I appreciate FIFA for instilling these uh, concussion spotters. It's nice to always have a team supporting you. And one of the things that you've done, Bri, in the last few years is you've worked alongside Washington Spirit, specifically in that year that Trinity Rodman got drafted. There was a lot of talk about Trinity Rodman, of course. Yeah. With a name like that, you're going to have some weight on your shoulders. Would she adapt to never playing collegiate soccer to straight into the pros? Well, she had you, Bri, to lean on as a mentor. <laughs> what did you learn about... Trinity Rodman then, and how have you seen her navigate what can be a really difficult transition with what seems to us like such ease? I'm telling you, when it, the first time I sat down and spoke with Trinity, um, my wife, Krista, and I went, um, had uh, coffee and, and, and breakfast with her and her roommate at the time, and just speaking to her those few, you know, those first few times, I could tell that she was ready. Like you, just the way she talks about it, the way she approached it, just the, her, she has a presence about her and a poise and she is a hard worker and she understands and it's very clear to me that she was ready for this opportunity. And so it's not the easiest thing in the world to do to just bypass college ball because you learn so many things about yourself. But um, of the few people that I've met that are able to do it, Trinity is definitely one of them. And she's been ready for this her whole life. Mm. And you can, I could tell. And uh, she's doing the best she can. She's doing a fantastic job. And it is a lot of pressure. But, of course, she has a great surrounding cast with her. And I think she's handling it incredibly well. And we're going to see a whole lot of Trinity Rodman yeah. um, in, the, in the next coming decades. We can't wait. Decades. <laughs> Bri, you gotta you gotta tell me who the dog is behind you. <laughs> we need to know. <laughs> Sorry, no, so this is the famed Sunny Bucket. Um, she is a Nova Scotia duck tolling retriever. 
Wow. She's 13 years old. She's Aww. got one eye. 16. I was going to say, it looks yeah. like she only has one yeah. eye. <laughs> deaf, so when I, if I'm trying to tell oh. her to sit down, she won't hear me anyway. But I always like to have her in my office when I do interviews. Normally, she's well behaved. But today, she decided to make a cameo. Okay. So there she's we love it. Give her a scratch for us. <laughs> a little pat. <laughs> <I will. laughs> Brian, we really enjoyed this. Thank you so much. We will continue to support the U.S. and all the things that you're doing. We're just so honored to have you as a part of our CBS yeah. sports team. You know, I say... But guys, by the way, I work with Brianna Scurry. <laughs> so just, just saying. Thank you so much, Bri. Thank you so much. Thank you. Go USA! <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we will be right back with Sandra Herrera talking Challenge Cup. Don't go anywhere. Sophia Smith on the yeah. US. Oh, hey, hey. Still done. Uh, Sophia Smith. Ali Magaletta. Sam Kerr. Mia Hamm. Bruna Von Zer, my sister. See you, Abby Wambach. Marta Deina Castellanos. Lina Solano. Surprise. Khadija Bonishaw, the Jamaican skipper. And Marta from Brazil. Alice Morgan. My girlfriend, Mary Carmen Reyes. Marta. Steph Houghton. She's like captain in England. Alex Morgan. That was the New York Red Bulls saying their favorite women's footballer. We love that. That was love so it. English. Steph Houghton. Yeah. <laughs> it was good. It was really good. We saw someone naming their girlfriend, their sister, yeah. and then just lovers of Marta. Bunny shot around many. Bunny shot makes me sad we're not going to see her in this next game. I know. No. Well, let's not get into that. Let's welcome <laughs> in the fifth member of our team here, CBS Sports writer and reporter, Sandra Herrera. Welcome. We've missed you. I miss y'all as always. This is my favorite time of the week. Anytime I get to hop on here and be with y'all. Yeah. Oh, that love was it. sweet. Okay, let's get straight into the Challenge <laughs> Cup because I know you have so much knowledge to impart on us and I want to make sure we get through it all. Uh, match Day 5 continues. What is the match to watch during this Challenge Cup? I think I might be making it a little obvious, right? I'm, I'm coming through on football. Uh, Kid Friday with my yeah. Red Stars jersey, but it's not so much about the Red Stars because they have the unfortunate honors of being the first eliminated in the Challenge Cup. It's it's their opposition that I'm taking a look at. I'm going to keep a close eye on Kansas City Current because everything that's coming out of this central group right now for Challenge Cup has the makings of not just one in racing Louisville, but possibly two teams to clinch a semifinal spot. They're sitting in the central region right now with nine points. So we know that the top three teams out of each region's group will advance to the semifinals with the second placed highest finishing uh, team. So I'm looking at Kansas City to go in on the road, which isn't a long road trip to Chicago, and maybe make some noise and continue to make a case as that top two number two seed in Challenge Cup because I think racing is going to have Central on lock mm -hmm. moving forward. Yeah, I agree. Sandra, now that we've seen all these teams play in the World Cup, give us your top five. Ooh. I am so delighted to give my top five. <laughs> we had a match day one, and we've had some match day two games kick off here. But I'm looking at Germany as my top dog right yep. now, followed by Japan, Spain, USA, and England. And my wild card right now is Brazil, because I want to see them leapfrog into my top five after their game against France. Yeah, that's the game of the weekend. Yeah. It has to be France against Brazil that has a makings for being one of the best games of this tournament mm -hmm. is that your match to watch this weekend it's my match to watch. there's a there's a number of games that I think are going to have a lot of implications but when you're talking about the play on the field both of those teams will absolutely bring it yeah there'll be questions and I, I think they're going to have some good answers too that's one of, it wasn't like just my one of my matches to watch for the weekend I've had this game circled for a long time like <laughs> yeah. I, I already know I'll be awake because my son wakes up at that time every morning so 
So I'll be awake for the game, <laughs> 6 o'clock bright and early Eastern time. I uh, cannot wait for that one. Sandra, what do you think about it? I think these are the matches that we have had our eyes on. I think yeah. mm -hmm. coming off of that USA-Netherlands match, I think any of these sort of top 10 ranked teams are the matchups that you want to keep an eye on because going into this World Cup, I think you can make a case for any of those top 10 ranked teams to make a run for the title. So now that we've had, I think, just that first bite of a top 10, two top 10 teams going against each other in USA and Netherlands, now we're looking ahead a little bit to a couple teams in, in Brazil in France. And I'm in agreement with both Aaron and Jordan what they're saying that this is the one to absolutely keep an eye on. We got to see how France responds because they are not only pointless in this group, they have no goals scored in the tournament so far versus Brazil, who really made a statement against Panama. Now they get a chance to go head to head against each other. It's a little bit of a knockout round rematch from that 2019 game that we mm -hmm. saw, which led to the epic speech by Marta. So I'm hoping that not only Brazil has another bit of a statement game of their own, but I want to see other uh, you know players step up a little bit as well. The footage is out there. Ari Borges is the beast. Mm -hmm. He's going to get involved in the play. So who else is going to step up if France has to mark Borges? Who's going to be that player to step up and kind of be the, the star? I love it. What a great preview. Forget everybody to watch this match. We'll all be up at the same time, so make sure you tweet at us during the match. Yeah. I keep saying it. Sandra, so, thank you so much for your insight there. Thanks, Sandra. Thanks, Sandra. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Okay, guys. I just want to know. Last week, you guys wouldn't have a sleepover with me. <laughs> Not even last week. It was Wednesday. <laughs> That's um, this week, I it? then said, week, girl. can we get a drink after this, guys? Can we go get dinner? And Jordan remembered that we had gonna, made these arrangements. put people on the spot yes. on air? Yeah, and Darius, oh, wow. Darian goes, I don't know about that. Oh, wow. Darian and I have known each other since we were like 12 years old. Since we were 12. How do you feel about put, being put on, on, on the air? On you the know, spot, I kind of like it. I like being called out. I think that's hilarious. <laughs> you saved until the last. I'm just saying, bully her so that she comes well, like, and joins me. What does she have planned here? Erin, <laughs> what about you? Are you joining me for I'm getting a drink with you. Yeah. Uh, I will join you in tweeting about the matches tomorrow morning. Wow. There you because go. Because I will be watching. What is your prediction for France uh, Brazil? Let's get, let's do, mm. let's th throw that on you. Okay. A little bit of pressure. How about that Brazil what score oh 2-1 okay I'll allow it okay yeah thank you guys so much for watching <laughs> attacking third we'll be back on Monday at 4 p.m. y'all are the best